guys, and welcome to the Get Life podcast. I'm your host, Bish, and it's a bit weird. Today, we've got a special guest. I'll let him introduce himself. Uh, hello, I'm Peter Payne, the owner of JList.com. Last episode, we were with Koei Tecmo, and then now we're with Peter Payne. Is that your real name, by the way, if you don't mind me asking? Yes, it is. That's a really cool name. I like the alliteration in the name. Yeah, I know. I should be a superhero. I'm half British. My father was uh, Peter Payne Sr., uh, who was born in Chipping Camden. And uh, so he grew up there somewhere. So it's, it's something like 20 or 30 kilometers from the, from the school from Kiniro Mosaic. Or not the school, but the, uh, the, bo- the border house that, um, that Karen lives at. So I, I, my father grew up in that area. And so I'm, I'm, someone pointed out that I'm like Jojo because my father is British and I'm American and my son is Japanese. And I, I actually, I'm a terrible fan. I haven't properly watched Jojo. I know the memes. I don't know the whole, because any, any, any fandom that's been going on longer than J-List has been around is probably something I don't have time to watch. Speaking of J-List, how long has it been around? So basically, we got started in October of 1996. So we just had our 21 anniversary, I guess, or 22nd anniversary. We'll have our 22nd anniversary uh, soon. So it's certainly been a long time, especially when you think about internet years and, and just the kind of things that we've seen. Back then, you had, you know, young people probably wouldn't even know, but like like web browsers came and it was like everyone had the the Mosaic browser, which was the first one, and then Netscape came along and then Internet Explorer came along and you had the browser wars and you had computers that would crash because bad bits came in from a web browser and that was all it took for your computer to crash. And so you you just had, to, you know, you, you had all these special skills about how to debug your computer if it crashed because bad data came in from a website. It was definitely a very, uh, very different time from now, and, and the idea of mobile didn't exist at all. It was just so, you know, it was like 10 years before any kind of mobile computing would ever come along. My kids grew up with this thing called the internet, and, and you know, kids today, it'll be even more. You'll, you'll grow up with, well, like, cell phones. My kids didn't have cell phones growing up, and now you've got cell phones, and you have, like, five-year-olds will have a cell phone. It'll be, like, their cell phone. It'll have, like, service activated for it and stuff. So, I mean, it's it's... It's interesting. I'm sure it's all going to be okay in the end. People like to worry about this and that and the other thing because of technology. On the other hand, I mean, it's it's certainly been the, the changes I've gone through of of having an 8-bit computer. My first computer was an Atari 400 that didn't even have a proper keyboard. And that was in 83, I think. And like the Mac came out a year later, but it was, of course, too expensive to buy when I was in in high school and you know computers and technology is a a march from an expensive slow thing to a very very inexpensive fast thing and and the idea that that for for you know a twenty five hundred dollar computer in 1983 1983 dollars of course is is worth a lot more now and yet the computer isn't twenty five hundred dollars it's you know eight hundred dollars or five hundred dollars or whatever so it's amazing and of course for a computer that's that's 25 times as fast and and much smaller and much more capable and all these things so I mean it's 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 been great it's been a really fun thing to to watch it all did you start the company in Japan or you started it in the US it was 1994 and I and I went home to just visit San Diego and my friend said hey here's this cool thing called this web browser and I started just getting into very nascent things like um like use Net was a, was a pretty early interesting part of the internet where you had like a board dedicated to anime and a board dedicated to whatever and so I'd get involved in that and then slowly like people would ask me hey 
you're in Japan, can you go get this music CD for me? And I would go and learn where the music shops were. It was a time of, of very fertile, like, like everyone knew there was an energy in the world because of this ability to, to talk with people on the other side of the world. And, and then when Netscape, they did their IPO in, in 1984, and this was like the first time a company, kind of like Tesla now, where it, was, it wasn't profitable, it wasn't really gonna be profitable any time, but it was so amazing and it was the future. So of course it had to be worth you know X amount of money. And of course that was the beginning of the dot-com bubble, which took several years to play out and everything. But anyway, you could really tell that, well, this is really exciting. We've got all these new things here, all these new op opportunities. So I said to my wife, you know, I, I'm gonna find something to do related to the internet because it's, it's so much fun. And then I sort of started two side businesses just in my own free time. One was going out to get music CDs that people would ask me for. And I eventually stuck, stuck all of my stock in a, um, a big Excel file called the Japan list, which is what JList came to be um, or, or turned into JList. And I would just sort of post that up to, to Usenet and people would say, hey, I'm, I really like this band. Can you say that for me? And I would then take their money and send send the, the CD to them. And then on the other side, I was sort of going, well, what, what kind of interesting thing can we do? Because I'm here in Japan and I speak Japanese. And so basically I, I latched on to visual novels which at the time were very, very hard to play. Of course, there was nothing in English. You basically would pirate something from the internet and you would just load it and you couldn't read what, your, what, was, being, what was displayed on the screen and you would just click, click, click until you saw boobs. And that was like, oh, cool, I, I got the, I don't know what's happening, but I saw boobs. And so that was pretty popular. And I said, well, you know, maybe this could be something that we could bring out properly, not knowing how impossible that was. It's kind of one of those things where you don't know what can't, cannot be done because you haven't really done it. Like there's no such thing as a distributor who will distribute an adult software product. So we basically had to do it ourselves. Um, you know, we made our own company in San Diego to, to reach out to anime shops and, and people who sell at conventions and things like that. And we slowly sort of grew it as a, a proof of concept. So it, it, was a, it was a slow going thing, but it was kind of next thing I knew we, we were where we were and we had JLS up and running and slowly you know growing it and growing it from 1996 boy it sure took a long time to get to our current uh, current website that actually works well on mobile devices and, and all these things uh i shudder to think of the the website we had back in 1996 and, and soon after i was kind of shocked when you were saying that you were already in japan at the time in the 90s so what were you doing in japan around that time before jayla basically just I, I got my degree i got my i studied japanese and i came here to teach english intending to stay for a year or so but of course as those things often don't work out as you plan them to to and then i met my wife and and that was really good and so i was just doing english teaching for a couple of years and then the whole internet started happening and I'm like, honey, I think we need to do something with this internet thing. So it's actually really like, I, I'm really thankful that my timing was so good because I, I arrived in Japan and I had sort of enough years to, to get my bearings and I had, you know, my family support, my Japanese family support in terms of, you know, eventually when we built, we have, a, we have an office that we built and they had some land. So I'm like, hey, why don't we, you know, build an office on this land? We're not, you're not using it anyway. So it was really lucky that we had all this, the, the timing was really good. And then the ability, like the, the support of, of my Japanese family was really something that I'm really appreciated. Is that office still there? Is like, well, that's where, where you're operating from now? Yep, you can see it on Google <laughs> Google Maps if you want. Better to just imagine it as a giant, you know, Shimapan or something. We're just a small company doing, we're working really hard to make our customers happy and finding new products and, and doing our game translations. And we have a warehouse 
and we have another warehouse. So it's it's pretty small scale. So what is the process for you to you know find these weird and wonderful products? Because there are products on on JList that I'm kind of shocked to see. I usually buy like drawing pens from JList because you know they're very difficult to find in the UK, uh, especially those those ones you know the ones with the really thin tips there are some other products on there as well you know that i want to talk about the mouse pad how do you find those well mo most of the products i mean you've got a, you've got a bunch of different distributors and we have relationships with them and they it, it's funny because like japan is always behind technologically from where you expect they would be considering that we all consider that japan is a very advanced uh country because we would we would literally get up until very recently we would get faxes every night from our distributors saying hey we got this figure hey we got this hey we got that and so we'd have to read a bunch of faxes in the morning Morning and it was really hilarious and I'm like you know I, I would like them to be like really smart and set up an RSS and all these things we could we could easily browse all of their stuff but that's beyond them but at least you know internet I mean you know use the internet come on it's it's the 21st century now so um, yeah and basically we, we're, we're working with different distributors in a couple of cases like the ones you're talking about it's a company called Nitro Plus which we have a really good relationship with and they work with another company called Soft Garage Soft Garage is the company that makes the really, really big mouse pads, boobs and butt. Um, and so when Soft Garage was making mouse pads that are based on the characters from Nitro Plus, they, it was very logical for us to say, hey, we're gonna you know, do, your, do your worldwide distribution. And so that has been really, really successful, of course. So we're referring to the the life scale ones, like the the massive one, like three hundred dollar ones. Or are we talking about just the regular ones? On yeah, those are they're, they're handmade, like full size butt and boob and and uh, very very creative. One of them has like stockings you can take off. So so definitely, I mean that's that's a, a kind of a specialty. I don't obviously. Uh, so one of the problems is like fans will say, hey, that's really expensive, and I think fans who know Japan will understand that. Japan is sort of it's like the undying lands in Lord of the Rings it's not quite on our on our planet it's it's in a slightly different dimension and that's why you've got a lot of just things that we can't really understand like like the the bread and butter of the anime industry is fans who will buy $100 Blu-rays with have two, which have two episodes on them and of course they've got you know booklets and stickers and all kinds of extra things inside it's a limited edition but that is the basis of anime fandom in Japan and to us we're like who would pay that much money for a Blu-ray that's just, you know, one out of six that you have to buy for a whole series? So, I mean, it's just, just little things that work differently in the context of Japan. And, and it's just confusing, but obviously it's it's something that, that works for the Japanese market. And then when we come from the outside, like we're, we're saying, hey, would you guys like to buy this mouse pad? It's $300. That becomes really tricky because then it's like, well... Why would anything cost that much money? And of course, when you see it, like if you go to our website and you see the, the videos we have, you know, obviously it's a really special thing that's been that's been hand designed and hand assembled and, and they're going to sell like a hundred of them. It's, it's very, very, it's, it's not a, um, it's not for everybody. But um, so some of the, the practices that Japan does as an industry, we obviously scratch our heads a lot. Um, one of the things we do, one of the things we do when we work with a company like Nitro Plus or some of these other companies is we're trying to communicate the reality of you know what the world expects and then what Japan is expecting and we try to make sure there's not too much confusion there so that we don't have companies saying hey take the you know we're licensing a game we don't want to sell it for $120 we want to sell it for $35 because that's the right price for for our customers and so we have to really go out of our way to let them know you, you can't really sell something for $120 unless it's, you know, some amazing thing that has like a giant figure in it or something. So we're often in that case of, of trying to bridge 
Japanese expectations and then the expectations of our customers so that we can hopefully make a successful, you know, product. The mouse pad doesn't seem that expensive because I've seen I've seen it happen once before. I'm not sure if you know about the game Senran Kagura. In the UK, they released a special edition with something similar, you know, life-size mouse pad and I think body pillow as well. But it, it was roughly around the same price, maybe a little bit more expensive because the game was included. But, you know, it's a reasonable price. The, the one thing I want to know about it is what do people use it for? It's like, because I, I collect them as well, but I have like the regular size ones. I, I use them as mouse pads, but something of that scale how are you gonna like where are you gonna put that do you see what i mean like do, do people mount it to the wall or people that put it on their desk i think it'd be too heavy to mount because the gravity it's designed to be set a certain way like gravity would cause it to to, to you know fall down and and the glue wouldn't wouldn't survive it so yeah it's interesting and the problem is the company makes them and it's awesome that they make them but then they make more and more and more and i'm like any any given customer is probably going to buy one maybe they'll buy two i can't you know can you imagine the room you'd have to have to have six or seven of these giant full-size mouse pads butts and boobs when you moved to japan and such was it difficult to adapt to the culture there was there much of a culture shock or were you pr completely prepared i was a little weird because i studied japanese for four years and then i came here and so literally that's actually not a good idea because i was sort of not not so good at japanese but people got that impression oh he's he's good enough at japanese and so i didn't like like normally i would be you know fumbling and i would have some some japanese guys who had sort of become my close friends and they'd help me and i'd help them and i sort of was too competent for my own good. So I was actually quite lonely when I got here going like, hey, I, you know, kind of hard to make friends. Of course, I'm, I'm working as a teacher, so it wasn't, I, I had a lot of students to hang out with, but um, I kind of, I studied a bit too much Japanese and then I could really put my foot in my mouth really well instead of only semi-well like a normal uh, foreign language speaker. Um, but yeah, I think the, when you go to a country, of course, anytime you go to a place and you're gonna be there a week and then you're gonna go home, it's, it's very, very different from when you're there and you're, you're there for an indefinite period of time. Um, and so obviously your flexibility hopefully will be different. And you'll say like, well, I, this is you know, some weird thing that I have to get used to. And you would be more flexible about it because you know you had no choice. Um, obviously Japan is a, is a you know, because it's, really, it's a really nice country. Like I, I'm, I've been blogging about Japan for a long time and I always, and I know that I'm presenting a view of Japan that's fantastic and wonderful. And then I really try to, try to make sure I don't do that in, in a way that's not authentic so i do often say well you know here are some problems japan has people think it's perfect my, my house is a liquor store among other things uh my my in-laws run a liquor store and that's like the front of our house well the liquor store has been robbed three three times over the past 20 years so i mean just just so people don't get the idea that japan is perfect i put those kinds of things in my blog post to make sure that they can get hopefully a balanced view but yeah i mean you you do have a lot of of areas in which japan expects you to you know conform to what's what's going on around you um and so if you are going to wear shorts in november you would find quite a lot of sort of pressure against that and it would be you'd get a lot of comments even if you thought it was pretty warm i'll just wear shorts you would be eventually pressured into no longer wearing shorts in November because nobody does that here because you only like like you change your clothes from summer to winter right about October first and if you literally I wear a long sleeve or I wear a short sleeve shirt on October fifteenth and I'll get comments about it aren't you cold because it's 
it's no longer summer, it's it's autumn now, you should wear a long sleeve shirt. And so it's just little, little things like that that you just sort of roll with. And of course you get a balance. Uh, you, you get, a, you know, your, whatever you're comfortable with and whatever people around you are comfortable with. Within your time, you know, trying to start off J-List, was there any obstacles that you remember like were the most difficult to overcome when starting off the, the company? Mainly it was technical difficulties. And a lot of that was me literally with a dummies book, HTML, for dummies and Final Maker Pro for dummies, not knowing that that's not enough to do this thing that I was going to do, but I was going to do it anyway, and I did it. Um, so that was one of the problems. Um, the other, the other issue, of course, is that one of the themes of Japan is that it's always technically and or socially behind America and Europe. That's one of the things I've heard from Japanese people many times. So for example, if, if California bans smoking, as they did like 15 years ago in, in all public places, I said at the time, I'll bet Japan will do this 10 years from now, and almost to the year they did it. And then Japan followed suit, banning smoking in almost all public places except for certain designated areas. So I mean, Japan sort of follows America and Europe technically and or socially. And so by starting a business, trying to sell things on the internet through credit card processing in 1996, I was basically starting a business in 1986 because I was in Japan, immediately saw that the Japanese banking system would never be suitable. So then that's why we do our banking through an American bank, which is why our prices are in dollars, even though we're a, a Japan company. So we, we do all of our credit card processing in dollars. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, just the, the technical things we had to overcome, the any company, of course, you go through a period of fast growth, you go through slower growth, uh, you have to manage your debt, you have to manage your, your headcount, all, all the inventory, all these things that we've, that we've done. But really just getting started, honestly, the, it, was, it was difficult, but not really because what we were doing, you know, literally anything I pick up from Japan is, is fundamentally cool to people in the West because it's from Japan. And, and so that aspect of it was not hard at all. It was very easy for me to say, well, here's, here's some manga, here's a calendars. Like right off from the beginning, we, we started selling these really nice large poster calendars. And of course there was, you know, lots of people there ready to buy them. Um, back in those days, there was a real early boom of adult porn stars, adult video stars uh, from Japan. And so people were like, wow, I can get a calendar of Fubuki Akira. And so we sold, you know, dozens and dozens of those calendars. That was an early success for us. So, um, you know, it, the, the, it was hard, but on the other hand, we were the first company to be based inside Japan. And, and looking back, that was so, such a very logical thing to do because at the time you would buy your anime from Anime Nation, who is in Florida, which is as far from Japan as you can get on, on the, in that hemisphere, pretty much. Um, so that, that sort of gave us an advantage and it, it helped us out a lot. We, were, we could get product, you know, have it on the website that afternoon have it going out to you the next day, uh, you know, very, very easily. For those who don't know, what, what is the difference between JList and JBox? Um, JList.com basically has everything that we sell. And then JBox.com is our PG only site. So if you only want to see all ages products, go to JBox.com. Or if you're at work, go to JBox.com. Or if your wife says, what website were you looking at? You say, I was on JBox.com. But yeah, yeah. So basically they're the, the same content, just uh, JList.com has all the adult content and the, and, and the all ages content together. And then jbox.com has only the all ages content and then the other two websites to consider looking at are our new blog which we've been putting a lot of effort into which is jlist.com slash blog um and then we've also got jazz usa which is our game visual novel 
Jazz to USA, that came after J-List or was that around the same sort of time? Pretty much around the same time. We literally started J-List to tide us over until the game started making money. And, and you know, we'll, we'll do J-List for like nine months and then the games will be so big and so popular that we'll just do games all the time, which of course, you never know how things are going to work out and that's fine. Um, and the games, the games have always been really good, but they just got up to a very slow start because we had to, I had so many years where I had to explain what they were. Nowadays, everyone knows what a visual novel is, but at the time people didn't know. And they would say, what are these uh, DVDs? And I said, well, it's not a DVD. It's a, it's a PC game. You install it in your Windows computer. And then you've got this, this multi, multi-faceted story. You can interact with these cute girls. Um, and so I had to sort of, A, I had to explain it a lot. And then B, I had to wait for the culture to sort of catch up with me because we were quite ahead of our time. And now when you watch anime, inside the anime, they'll talk about the games. They'll have the sort of choice, like, you know, she asks you a question and an on-screen choice comes up and you'll see that inside the anime and you'll be able to say, oh, okay, I know what these games are now. Um, so yeah, we were, we were ahead of our time at the time, but it, was, it worked out in the end. How do you choose which games to publish? It all depends on what our goals are and, and what we're always talking with different companies. Um, these days, visual novels have become quite popular thanks to Steam, basically, where all of the Japanese companies are you know developing for Steam or they're, or they're hoping to use Steam to get income because you know that the local market is really bad so it's been a very beneficial thing to to the visual novel industry here in Japan that you can license your game to a company like us or a company like manga gamer and then we'll put it on Steam and then we'll make the the full uncensored version um, uh, it's it's been interesting like a lot of different companies are, are, are competing to get the game so it's quite hard to get the games we want these days um, also, it just depends on the companies we're working with too. Like we have a really good relationship with Nitro Plus. Um, and so like we're doing their uh, Boys Love games now. And so if you want to uh, get information about that, go to Just Blue on Twitter and you can see our tweets. Um, so we're gonna be doing a lot of interesting things with Nitro Plus. We love them, they're a great company. They, they're the company that, that always made the darkest and most interesting games. And then they made the most fun games with like Super Sonico. So, and they make a lot of really good quality anime series also. I've noticed that you guys sell import console games. There are some games that are available worldwide. Presuming, why are they on there? It seems a bit odd to me. The games that are available in English? Like, for example, you got the Attack on Titan game. That's that's a game that is in the US. and Probably is our staff not knowing that that is available. And, and you know, like someone asked to get the, to, to carry the game. So we get a copy and we get, you know, two copies. I mean... It's, um, you know, there, there might be fans who want to play it in Japanese. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a, a core area for us. It's mainly like, like we know that customers want us to carry this or that or the other game. So we stick mm. it on the site. But I've noticed you also have like certain games that you can't get overseas, like the dead or alive. We're a company and we're going to make products and we're going to hopefully delight our customers with these products and then we'll, we'll sell them to them. Right. And, and that helps the Japanese side. It helps us. It helps the people who want to play these games. And that's all that matters. There's, there's nothing else that should ever play, come into play um, with, with content like this. When we, we were the publishers of, um, of Steins Gate. And so we, we worked super, super hard. Like we all did nothing but work for work on Steins Gate for a year came out with it, it was a big success. But during the time, we were very worried about this one line uh, where they talk about uh, the, the, the Otokonoko character and they say, Daga uh, Otokoda, uh, but he's a guy. And that's the official line from the show, from the, from, the, from the game, we had to leave it in, of course. But we were literally worried about what if people who thought a certain way would, would get upset about that line and, and tell us we should take it out or something like that. So it's just very, very silly and we resist all of that. And just, if you don't want to buy the game, don't buy it. I think a lot about 
like like we've we've like I talk about like technology has changed me. Of course, I can send a tweet and I can say like, hey, this anime is really good, guys, go watch it. And then a bunch of people go watch it. And I think that's really neat. There's all these really beneficial things about technology. But on the other hand, when we we get in a bandwagon, cough Ichigo zero two cough uh, about a certain you know thing online, and and the fact that we're all anonymous and other people who are anonymous. Are, are like feeling a certain way and they influence us to, to feel a certain way and we sort of get on the bandwagon and we all say, boy, we don't like this character, we don't like this thing or this person. Um, I know there's nothing we can do about it because it's taking place deep inside our brains, but it's something I think about and I think we should certainly resist it. If you, if you ever catch yourself being part of an online uh, you know, gang to, to react to something, anything, stop take take you know a couple minutes and say wait a minute am i really doing the right thing am i you know i'm i'm calling for the blood of this person because something happened well do i really understand the situation do other people understand the situation there's a lot of of problems that can happen in in the world we live in because of social media even though i love social media um sometimes it it can it can like there's there's no friction between ideas because stuff goes on the other side of the world immediately uh the only friction would be like language where like something that's happening in japanese wouldn't be understandable to us in english so they'll have a different set of memes and a different you know so they'll they might get triggered about something and we'll be like what's what's going on we don't understand um but yeah definitely people should just relax more be, be chill you know if you live in a country where certain herbal uh things are are, are legal go ahead and smoke some uh, just relax and, and don't get so excited and emotional about things. Right now, uh, as we're recording this episode 14 of Zero in the or um, Darling in the Franks has just aired, so everyone is full of uh, angst about about what Ichigo did and what what Zero Two did, and it's very funny to sit back and watch and go, well, yeah, but it's a great show. Just enjoy it. Of course, there's going to be some drama. Why would there not be? Um, it's it's interesting. Fans fans are great. I love them. Anonymous shipping service. What was the idea for it? Because it, it's something I think it's only been around for maybe a year, maybe two years. I don't know, but it's it's pretty pretty unique. You know, we sell a whole bunch of products from Japan, and our goal is to be a giant mirror that reflects Japan. That's why if, if people say, "Why do you sell Japanese adult videos?" or "Why do you sell Japanese adult games?" I'll say, "Well, we're just a giant mirror, and we're going to reflect Japan because you know Japan's on the other side of the world. You can't see it, so we need a big mirror." So, and then and then. Of the products that we sell, the one that of course is, has become the most famous product right now are uh, male stress toys, own holes. Um, and so those are super, super popular. People love them. And, and so basically one of the ideas that we had is well, people might be, they might want to order something, but then they're nervous because they live at home. They want to have a little more privacy. They want to have a box arrive without a, a box inside the box that has an anime girl on it or whatever. Um, and so basically we will open open the box, throw the box away, and we'll you know carefully wrap it in like bubble wrap so it's nice and hidden. Um, so now you have that option. And we just sort of did it as a throwaway idea. Well, it turned out to just be you know incredibly popular. So you know, that's, that's a nice thing to do for the world. Some people live in countries. I don't know about the UK, but like Canada is one country where you probably wouldn't want to order just any adult toy from Japan. You probably would be better off getting the the package removed in this anonymous shipping service and so yeah i guess a lot of people agree with me because it's been it's been quite popular so I, i'm really wanting to know how that kind of gets through customs because you know there has to be like a declaration like what how does it go through like i think we just write generically like toy and it's not wrong because it's a toy it's, it's just a general thing thing that's been around it's not like it's a new thing at all it's like a vibrator it's just a a thing that has been around since forever uh even in America, like like they were illegal in Texas up to something like 10 years ago and someone got 
prosecuted for having a vibrator and, and what she did was there was like a Tupperware style you know you know what a Tupperware party is so it's like a you gather your friends around and you show them these products and then you sell them well there was a sex toy version of that and then there was a sting operation where because she had specifically said yes this is a vibrator this is how you use it this is where you use it that was what okay now you've, you've broken Texas state law um, and then then I think it she was in jail for like a little short period of time and then she's out of jail. But um, that got struck down. So that's no longer, I, I believe it is no longer the case. So I mean, society always has certain rules, but then of course society's rules are made 100 years ago, 80 years ago, whatever. Um, and so that's that's nothing that, that any of our customers or us need to worry about in my judgment. If you're in Canada and you're making an order, you need to, you need to you know, maybe take some steps or whatever, but it's, it's just, um, it was just, you know, something that we did and then customers really appreciate it. So I'm, I'm glad we did it. I like to be able to give more privacy to customers. Have you had any sort of customers that have said, Hey, look, this hasn't quite worked. Certain countries will open the packages and then there are certain items that are prohibited, right? I haven't actually seen anything related to that. I know there was a package one of the Faku manga from which we ship out of San Diego, not Japan, was seized by Canadian customs. And of course, Faku are just, you know, high quality, completely uncentered Japanese hentai manga. And and Canada, love Canada, it's a great country, but they have a, a what I call it is trying to do the right thing by doing the wrong thing. They're, they're like, well, we've, we've got to protect our citizens from this terrible thing, which by the way, could be downloaded in any web browser or phone literally in, in a second. So, I mean, it's, it's, you're not, you're not really doing anything, but sort of being the man and being like the stern guardian at the gate that's going to, that's going to keep people worried. You know, it was just the, the manga got, got seized and the guy put it out on Twitter and everyone was sort of commenting on it. And I, and I was commenting too it's a rare thing but basically canada does not like japanese manga if it was a porn manga from the west they wouldn't view it that way so it's definitely what i, I believe it's a bias it's certainly not good to be to to view well this is from japan therefore you're not you're not judging calmly you're you're saying oh this is from japan you know put it in the bin we're gonna we're gonna seize it because it's from japan and it's porn uh, i don't think that's reasonable in a, in a country that's so liberal it's very funny like often a country will be very free-minded and they'll go so far in one direction they go back to the other direction and then there's saudi arabia and me looking from japan i'm just going okay whatever you know it's up you guys do whatever you want and if there's if there's something that we shouldn't send to that country we're not going to send it like we don't send a manga from japan we don't send it to canada you know you kind of kind of wonder like if, if an adult wants to read something that has nudity and he's an adult and the book is not in an area that it really shouldn't that, that's a big problem that is something that society should just say cool do whatever you want as we all agree i assume that's quite interesting i didn't know about canada back when we we would send manga and they would be seized they would say this is seized because it has bondage. And I'll say, well, I know you guys don't read Japanese, but there's no bondage in this book. It's just a normal book, very vanilla. Maybe you could not just, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's just a, like every country has some tick, something that defines that country that's a little weird. America has many of those little things that other countries probably go, huh, you guys are, are you know, doing doing what you do again. Uh, I, I'm sure in the UK, you've got certain things that, that other countries just go, oh, well, that's, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's people from the UK do that, or they, you know, this little sort of social, or national things that define you and that's sort of one of the things from, from my position as the owner of JLS, that's one of the things about Canada is that the professionals who do nothing but work in the postal service or work in the customs service, and that's, they have to justify their existence. And in the UK, it's my understanding that they justify their existence by taxing everything that comes in, even though there's not particularly any reason to do that. Why would you tax a Totoro plush toy coming in from Japan? Is that to protect the domestic British Totoro plush toy industry? Well, there isn't such a thing. So it's just there because they can do it and they need to do it in order to make just 
justify their own salaries and and you know so it's it's very silly and every country will do a different thing for a different reason it's like taxation obviously the uk has you know a certain approach to taxation america has a different approach to taxation it's all just things that define us and then whether or not you agree or disagree you just sort of go okay that's what they do in the uk that's what they do over in germany and because you're shipping worldwide how do you deal with all of these little nuances from country to country if it's going to germany certain items can't be shipped so we just don't ship them and we we don't sell we we refund the customer i think they have an issue in germany with like like personal lotion has to be it has to it's like it's like treated as a as a medical thing so you can't just ship it in so we don't ship that just a little little bunch of lists like that but in general people don't care that much is my is my is my view based on the number of problems that i hear about which is almost nothing you have certain subscription boxes you have there's one i think that's for like hentai goods and then you also have the snack where where did those kind of ideas come from i think the snack thing came along like three or four years ago we actually thought we were late to the party and we started it up in i think 2015 um and that's been really good it's it's been really nice that we can we can just plan out okay we're gonna sell 80 boxes of snacks and then we need to get 16 boxes of this 18 boxes of this and so we can assemble them the, the hard part is when we're assembling the snacks and we're hungry and it's late at night and we want to eat the snacks but we can't because we have to put them in the boxes that's that's a big challenge well it's funny because we get orders that that couldn't be delivered for some reason so we get them back here and then we've got these things that of course we can't then resell to the to new customers so we've got all these return snacks we're like hmm that's pretty good i want to eat that you know so we're 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 well supplied with japanese snacks so i have all of the japanese snacks what is your favorite i love the kit kats there's just all these different flavors of kit kat green tea right now on the side although the chocolate chocolate will be going away in the summer we basically can't stock chocolate because it melts because it gets too hot so but there's a um like limited set of kit kats from one from east japan one from west japan and so they have like this flavor from nagoya this flavor from tokyo this flavor from kyoto and that's just amazing i I'm, i love selling that kind of stuff it's fun to sell people around the world are just so happy to get it you know i i don't understand about japanese kit kats right like no offense american kit kats are shit because it's a it's like hershey's chocolate right it's not nestle right it's, a, it's a done by a different company it's hershey's not nestle i'm used to british kit kats right and then when i see these little dinky japanese kit kats why is it like so small like do they not have like bigger kit kat or is it all the kit kats are the two fingers they have quite a lot of different ones um one i mean most of the ones we sell are going to be you know anything that's unique we have like a, a big bag of green tea kit kats it has like 30 of them in there but each one is, is the two finger type I don't think they do like the big, huge board ones. Maybe it's um, related to how they're displayed in stores and things. Yeah, in general, basically everything is, is smaller in Japan and then it's also individually wrapped. So you'll have like, you'll buy a bag of cookies, you'll open it up, there'll be an inner bag and then inside all the cookies will be individually wrapped. That's one of the things about Japan. They just love to wrap it. I think that's like a very traditional thing. Like there's a book that I have and it's uh, how to wrap five eggs. And it's just a book about packaging in like the Edo period of Japan. It's really interesting. You should take a look at it. But it's like when you're talking about they love to wrap things even today, it's like, well, it's something in the history right what's your favorite flavor of kit kat because for me it's wasabi wasabi is good um, i just like the green tea kit kats i'll i'll freeze a bag in the winter or in the summer and i'll just hey i've got a bag of kit kats i can grab grab two and have a cup of tea with it considering you've been living in japan for a long time is there anything that you miss from the state i'm lucky because i I've, I've sort of got everything i could ever want i live in japan but i go back to the u.s for like two months in the summer so anything i need to buy i've got my like i always buy mexican food i buy tacos i buy like the 
the powder salsas and the and like gravy sauce things like that all these all these things that that they would they wouldn't be the same if they even if they had them here or they would be expensive so so it's really really nice i get that that nice trip home and i can have mexican food and i can have margaritas and all these things and then i can come back here and live in in japan so i i pretty much have what, everything i need i keep on going back to um, to swaps aka jake because he's a brit i'm feeling for his well-being there's going to be a lot of things that he might miss so basically yeah, i mean jake has been a a great friend for a long time um so he just sort of started his adventure of living in japan i think you know it, it's going to be different in my own case actually looking back when i was a boy i lived in new zealand for a year and i think that that kind of helped like when i came to japan to live okay i obviously not everything is like it is in america because it wasn't the same in new zealand which was back in 1976 which is a very very long time ago um in terms of talk about talking about not having things you want around you there was one mcdonald's and one pizza hut in the whole country of new zealand back in the 70s and of course nothing like you know internet american tv um anyway so i think yeah i mean jake jake is uh going to be on a, a very interesting journey and, and it's really really fun i mean it's, it's really great to to get used to a new place and, and and he'll i think he'll do fine he needs to study japanese though what is your favorite product that you've sold whether it's in the past or present day or well we've been around for so long we've we've you know had periods where we we had incredible you know it's popular products that, that flew out the door we what's fun is at certain times we sort of were able to to bring something that went global worldwide um domokun was really big where domokun sort of became a thing we went to nhk uh which is the japanese version of the bbc of all of all people said hey we want to sell domokun they said cool great idea and we were like the only person on on the planet who could sell domokun until it got licensed for general distribution and then that, that sort of went away um so that was really fun the the hello kitty quote unquote shoulder massagers that you may or may not have seen depending on how old you are. Uh, that was pretty much all us. We were just the company selling those all over the world. That was really fun. There was a a plush toy line called the dog and and back it was back in like the late 20th century and and we sort of said this is really cool let's sell it and we sold it and we sold it and then Nordstrom started selling it and then McDonald's started selling it so it was really weird that we were sort of being like we we're being watched by by whoever is out there in the industry going hey that's cool let's you know so it's just kind of interesting to have to, to be able to say we pulled this product and it and it became a big thing and, and that was us in the beginning um, but in general we're just a, we're just an anime shop selling various stuff um, and having fun and chatting with our with our people on Twitter and whatnot. On the flip side, what's the weirdest thing that you've sold? Weirdest thing? If you go to our blog, I, I do reviews of the male stress toys that we sell. And no, I don't use them all. Um, but I we I and I recently did a review basically saying what is the the weirdest toys we've ever sold, and I sort of put out some weird things out there. Um, and, and anything that weird doesn't last very long, so it sort of comes and goes in like in like two or three weeks. But uh, just leave a weird impression, like what are the Japanese thinking sometimes? So we'll basically, we'll look at that that blog post. I'll link it in the description. The toilet one, <laughs> the the owner hole that's a toilet. It's you're like what? They're creative. They're it, it's a toilet. But why would you want that? Be, because th there's a Japanese word niku benki which means flesh toilet which is a it's it's a it's a not very kind word for a female who's providing sexual services so they said let's make an onohole of that and it was not a good idea <laughs> it was like okay whatever. and yet you decided to sell it well actually our buyer bought it based on the front image because he didn't know what it was so we're like okay what do we do with this well we'll do a blog post and we'll go the other direction and uh make it make it enjoy how as weird as 
and I did a I did some links about like other weird things that we've sold over the years. Like there was an ear on a hole. Huh? Um, you know, it's okay. there was an ear on a yeah, hole. Yeah, okay. Doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Why? Why not? Like these things now, they just seem like memes. Like it's just too. Yeah, yeah. We'll do one more serious question, and then we'll go on to our like dumb questions. You have your mascot, Megumi. What What was the kind of design inspiration? Why do you need a mascot? Like that's another thing that I wanted to ask. Well, we just basically wanted to have a mascot, and and so so one of the things we did before, or or really at the same time as we were doing our very first visual novels back in the day when the internet was very slow and all that stuff, uh, we would go to companies or you go to, to artist circles in at the comic cat at the comic market and they would be like distributing their their CD works on a floppy disk or on a CD-ROM or whatever and then if we found an artist we liked we would say hey that's pretty cool we would like to do a you know a worldwide version or, or an English version of that and so several of the first things that we released were you know image collections and or simple animations um, and there was actually a time when you would go out and buy a CD-ROM of that which you wouldn't do now you just look it up on some image board but anyway so one of the one of the artists who we were working with at the time did a did a series called the borderline and and we published his art and we said hey we like your art could you please make a character for us and that was basically what, what he did and uh our character is named megumi which is uh, the name of a girl i used to date before i met my wife so don't tell my wife hopefully she's not listening to this she's not a very technically inclined person she will put sticky notes on her screen of her computer i say dear you know you've got a sticky zap you could do that all you know inside your computer and she's like no it's okay I don't know what to say to that. You know, that's that's kind of endearing. Oh, yeah, she's she's sweet. I did not expect that would be your answer in terms of the... And she still has a cell phone from 2008 or something. So it's the kind that you, you unclasp and then you, you can do like very simple emails. Um, and she just, she's not going to get a smartphone. Why would she do that? But she's okay with like living in the past. But you've mentioned that Japan lives in the past, right? In terms of... A bit, yeah. I mean, she just she's just not going to bother trying to keep up because, you know, obviously she has a computer that she needs to do her work on. Um, I, I finally bought her an iPad, and now she basically has the functionality of a of a smartphone, an iPad with, with proper cellular. So she can at least go to Tokyo, you know, use the Google Maps and things like that. So she's she's got just the basic functionality, but she still refuses to have a, a proper smartphone. There's a scene in Kill Bill where the Lucy Liu character pulls out a cell phone and it's got like 18 phone straps on it. That's basically my wife. And that was a very deep joke that I'm sure went over the heads of everybody that, to have this person pull out this phone, you know, old style phone, crack it open and have all these, these bells jingling from it. It was kind of a, a modern Japanese joke that was that was a bit a bit too sort of esoteric for most people I think speaking of those I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by that like is that still a thing those phone charms because where are you going to attach it on your phone now like you no not anymore because they don't have a place to attach it and and Steve Jobs is to blame for it because he wanted the pure aesthetic without any hooks or doors on it and and that's why smartphones don't have a phone strap and it's silly because it's very convenient to have you you have all kinds of things you can hang off of it you can keep from dropping your phone you can put you know whatever uh it's 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 a shame cake or pie um i was thinking about that i would probably go with cake yes my man and and specifically because cake in japan is amazing especially if you go to if you ever bumming around tokyo you go to tokyo station and inside tokyo station there's a whole bunch of really really high-end uh department stores and they sell like a, like a $15 slice of cake, which sounds like a lot of money, but you will not think so once you've eaten it. Maybe it's a, an $8 slice of cake. It's not quite that bad, but it's, it's 
cake made by a patissier who did like 10 years of training in Paris and he's now able to make this cake for you and it's it's the, the level is so high when you when you get a really great piece of cake in Japan uh, definitely I would, I would go with cake so what's your favorite cake because for me it's like um, I'm not sure if you know it it's, it's Baumkuchen you know the German cake the tree cake Baumkuchen yeah that's good stuff especially the like Baumkuchen but but from Kyoto that's like matcha Baumkuchen it's like green tea it's amazing it's so hard to get in the uk there's like one i can imagine one yeah. bakery that does it and it's just like but they import it from japan it's like in san diego there's a lot of korean like there's a huge amount of koreans living there and so as a result like this kmart this really big retail store went out of business back in 2008 and everyone was like oh no what are we going to do well, the Korean supermarket moved in and, you know, it's filled to the brim with amazing products from Japan, Korea, China, Taiwan. And then you've got a Korean bakery inside there. And so I go there and pretend I'm, you know, having Japanese baked, baked goods. And you can, it's, just, it's really neat. You've got that. I wonder if you go to like Chinatown, there'll be something that's approaching a Japanese bakery and, and maybe you'll get some sort of crossover. We have like this one Japanese supermarket. I don't know. It's not the, it's not the same. It's not the same. Just by accident, like I, I'm a person who's always lived Japan and I and I studied Japanese and I and I came to Japan, but just by accident, my hometown of San Diego is a big, huge Japanese area, also in addition to Korean. And so like right near our, our um, PCR, which is our company in, in San Diego, we have three Japanese supermarkets. There's a book off, a used Japanese bookstore. There's a, um, you know, so, so it's just bizarre that you've got Stuff from Japan, oh, there's a Daiso, really big Daiso near me. So, I mean, it's just like I'm in Japan, but I'm in San Diego. And then I come here to Japan and there's a Costco near us. And if you know what Costco is, it's the, the highest point of, of, of civilization, commercial civilization. And I couldn't live without this Costco. Can we talk about Costco for a second? Because I love Costco, right? I love, I'm going there today. After this recording, I am going to Costco. Like, it's not... Ah, uh, I don't know. I just love. I know it. It seems a bit weird. We're we're here to interview you and everything, but you've just you've <laughs> opened my mind. Costco is just like the best place ever. I don't know why. It's just you look at everything. You're like, wow, everything is so uh, cheap. It's like ah, uh, I'm. I don't know. It's just it's cheap and it's like everything is just everything at once. And in Japan, you've got like really good meat. You've got you know local meat. You've got like there's a lot of beef that comes from Australia. But when you go to Costco here in Japan, you've got USDA Prime, you know, the, the very best beef, you know, brought right over on the ship or whatever they do. And so you've got access to, to food that you couldn't get otherwise. And you've got, you know, tortillas and Mexican food that you couldn't easily get. So it's just it's just a wonderful thing to be a foreigner and to, to, to go and have, you know, all these choices and then to have it be pretty, pretty inexpensive. So I'm very happy. How is the food court in Costco, Japan? Uh, it's there here. One of the differences in between America. In America, there's a lot of Jewish people. So you've got all the beef, all the hot dogs are beef because there's a lot of people who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to eat pork. And then here in Japan, they don't have that. So the hot dogs are pork. Other than that, I think it's probably about the same. Because the first time I went there, I was just like, whoa, what is this? And it was just, it, it kind of blew my mind. It's And so cheap. You're like, it used to cost a thousand yen for a whole pizza and then the yen moves slightly. So it's like 1400 yen, but it's very, very inexpensive for what you're getting. But then, and then it makes me think, how can they make it so cheap? I'm sure it's, you know, they control their costs really well. Like they know this amount of flour and this amount of salt and this amount of baking time. And they're, they're like, I think they make something like a 14% profit margin. So as long as they're getting that 14% profit margin, that's all they need. It's also to get you in the store too. They probably can lose money on the food court and you'll, they'll, they'll make money on other stuff. 
and they they the Costco in Japan the the stop signs are in English, which isn't a thing here. They have Japanese stop signs, so we go there and we're like they did the and then the toilets are American standard, not Toto or some Japanese company. So they basically probably bought their Costco at Costco and then shipped it over and they just assemble it. So it's it's quite amazing. You're basically the the, the complete experience of being in a, in a Costco, except that it's in yen instead of dollars uh, for us. So it's it's kind of like a magical portal where you teleport between between places. I'm not sure if you've seen Haganai or not. Yeah. Oh yes, love it, love it. Who's best girl, Haganai? Definitely Rika, because she's the science girl. Perverted science girls always win. And out of Senna or Yozara, who's who's better? Who's better girl? I'll be shallow and say Senna because ah! she's sweet. Although Yozara is the Senna has the the better like like energy. Well, I love her voice actress too. So I'm kind of I'm kind of weak there. Um, but yeah, it's it's all the, that's a great show. They they should have made a final you know movie. I love anime where they make the movie or they make the show and then rather than just leave you hanging, they make a movie to to close it all up. Why can't they do that more often? Um, there was an anime by Kyoto Animation called Tamako Market, which I, I watch Kyoto Animation anime because I'm very loyal to them as a studio. They're a great company. They do great work. It was not a good show. Uh, the low point of the show was the homosexual talking bird. Uh, and that was, that was, it was just not that good a show, but it had this kind of cute love interest. And then they made a movie that, that just dealt with the love interest. And they, they completely, perfectly dealt with, like, here's the outcome of these two people's falling in love. And that was like, wow, this is cool. Let's do this for everything. Let's have a Hyoka movie that just closes up how they, how they come together and get married or something like that. Um, I wish they would do more of that. Um, I would also like a pony. To be honest, I don't think something like that would work for, for Haganai. Because reading the light novel, it's a shit show at the end, like, to be honest. It's really bad. I don't want to ruin it, but it's just... If you take out the time, read the light novel, it's just... It's not what you expect. It, it's ruined the show for me, so I'm, I'm glad it ended at season two. Part of me was like, oh, I wish there was a season three, or I wish there was a film or something. I'm glad it ended at season two, because if it... Did you, did you watch A Sister's All You Need, which was by the no, same writer? No, I refused to. It's, it's, everyone will have trouble getting past the first three or four minutes that's got this fantasy of the, the perfect perverted uh, younger sister. And that probably like killed it for a lot of people, but just get past that. And it's quite a good show. It's, it's really well written. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a standard story about young people who are all light novel writers, which is apparently what everyone does in Japan these days because all the anime is about light novel writers. Uh, but it was, it was quite quite good, and then the character designs are done by Kantoku, which is uh, one of my favorite artists. So I was like, okay, well, I have to watch it because of that. And then the writing was like, well, you actually are like interesting and engaging quite a lot. The reason that I'm refusing to watch that show is not because of the show or its content or anything like that. I can respect it as a as an anime. It's just the fact that the creator of Haganai rushed the ending of Haganai so he can work on this. Do you see what I mean? Oh, really? I didn't yeah, so that. that's, that's, I have just a grudge against it because I'm like, this is why. This is what you rushed Haganai for. Like, I, it, it boils my blood. Next question Pizza Hut or Domino's? Here in Japan, they have both, but Pizza Hut is much, has a much bigger uh, market share. So I would go with Pizza Hut. Also, they, they, you know, got, they, they got the great idea of, of sponsoring anime, which of course, uh, with Code Geass and other shows, um, and that turned into really cool because everyone in the world will now watch 
the anime and we'll eat the pizza. So that's I, I respect them as a, as a clever company who deserves our, our patronage. So I'll go with Pizza Hut. The, your answers are disappointing me today, Peter. To be honest. Really? I thought you were going to say yours. Is, are right. is Domino's bigger there? It's not the fact that Domino's is bigger. It's just I don't like Pizza Hut. Like, in the in the UK, Pizza Hut is so soggy and it's like, it's, it's nasty. And the Domino's is such, it's, it's much better. I haven't had pizza in like four years because I went on a diet. And I'm just like, okay, that's it. No more pizza. Uh, things like, like, you know, food. When, once you start, there's a really cool app for the, for any, uh, OS called My Fitness Pal, and you can enter in. Okay, I ate this hot dog at Costco or whatever, and then it tells you what the calories. Well, you just ate 50% of your of your fat content today. Well, lovely. So once you sort of know that, it's very easy to say, okay, I don't need this anymore. I don't need that anymore. So um, yeah, I, I really haven't. I mean, pizza very very infrequently, unless we're doing something like inventory day and we get pizza for everybody and I have a slice. But it's it's I've been I've been trying to be healthier. It's kind of hard when you do. Um, you know, obviously social media is a sedimentary thing. You're doing, you're doing Twitter, Facebook, writing descriptions, doing blogging. It's not something you do while you're, while you're out and, and active. So uh, it's, it's a constant battle. You, you know, the main reason, I'm not sure if you've seen the previous episodes of the podcast, but we, we, I asked them, is there any questions that you would like to ask Peter today? And then these were the questions they came up with. Cake or pie, uh, Seno Yozara. Pizza Hut or Domino's. You know why? Because I have set, like I won to uh, one out of the three questions, right? Because I said cake. They were all like, "Oh pie," because you know I don't know. I don't know. I don't get what's the obsession with pie. It's not. I could make a cream pie joke, but I won't. It's so funny because I'm actually a shy person, and then the things I post on social media, and everyone just sort of goes, "Yeah, you know, we're all having fun on social media." And I'm like, "Shit, I would never make these comments in life to a to a physical person." And, and I'm famous for having fetishes, and I don't really have fetishes. Obviously, there's certain things I think are cool, but I love well-drawn anything. So if there's a well-drawn foot, okay, I'm going to post that. And then because of the ease of searching on the internet, I can find like eight pictures in a row that are that good. So I'll grab them all, stick the source, you know, get, grab the source so I can post it. And then, you know, here's four pictures of, of the nape of a girl's neck, because that's potentially quite cool, depending on how it's drawn. Or here's, you know, a girl... And there's like an endless number of, of little fetishes in Japan. Like there's something called pie slash, pie meaning like pie the number, but it's it's a girl walking with with like a bag and the strap is going between her breasts. That's called pie slash. And so on pie day, which is three, uh, March 14th, I'll post pictures of that saying, hey, everybody, happy pie day. Let's enjoy this image of this girl walking with a, with a strap between her breasts. And then I'm, suddenly I'm like the biggest pervert on the, on the internet. <clears throat> anyway, people think the same thing about me. I'm not sure if you've seen the anime Chunibyo. There's a character called Rika, and she's like ju- uh, not jumping. She's she's um, going from the roof or something to the ground, and then the main character is like you know holding her feet. And I'm like, that's a beautiful scene. And then everyone accused me like, oh, Bish has a foot fetish. And I'm like, hey guys, I don't have foot fetish. I appreciated <laughs> that scene because it was just beautiful. But no one understands. Oh, that was the greatest scene. Yeah, and he catches her, and she's yeah. like, you you exactly. That was that was a good scene, but then everyone just focused on that bit, and it's like that that is such a great show, and I'm so triggered that they made a second season. I have so many issues with that because you have really the most perfect twelve episodes, beginning, meeting, you know, growing the story, and then the characters are like, oh wait, I'm being really childish. I'm going to grow up now, and then uh, Sanai takes off her 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 um her twin tails and she has like straight hair and she's like well i'm gonna be grown up now and i'm gonna call you senpai and then they undo it all in season two because they want to make money which i understand 
but I just I pretend that only season one of that show exists, and I and I warn people don't watch season two, don't watch the movie, just watch season one. It's perfect. You don't need anything else. I actually like season two, and I'm gonna suggest it for people to watch. But you know, it it messes up the balance because you have another triangle, and you have silly like oh miss you know sort of gamers like misunderstandings that have to be, and it's just it's not quite as beautiful a thing. Thank you very much, Peter, for coming on. I really do appreciate sure. it. It was nice to, to meet you and be, be heard by a bunch of new people. Yeah, so thanks to anyone who's on social media. You can see us um, on Twitter. At Twitter is our Twitter handle. We're on Instagram at, at jlist.com. Uh, I'm sorry, jlist.com. Uh, and then on, on Facebook, we're there at facebook.com slash jlist.com. Um, the talking about mini rants, obviously, fa- uh, Facebook and Instagram are being you know, undergoing some changes recently in, in, in light of... The various issues they've been going through but they're they're a lot less fun for an anime sort of as a place to hang out and talk about anime without limitation so if you're on all of these or, or some of these twitter is probably the best place to to hang out with us if you're if you're uh if you're on twitter because we don't have to worry about uh you know the, the we got a 30-day ban for like from facebook for like like two sexually suggestive subtitles in a non-hentai anime and i'm like I don't think English subtitles in an anime screenshot is the same as, uh, you know, like porn. If we posted porn, that would be a big problem. But uh, I, I, I kind of have, wonder if Facebook and Instagram are, are that good a place for anime fans to be hanging out in. I don't know. Um, but anyway, we're on, all, we're on all three platforms. Also, you guys can check them out on their website. Buy stuff from their website, guys. Like, it's... It's a no-brainer. Like I buy stuff from this. We'll do a coupon. I'll I'll work with um the guys and we'll we'll make some coupon for your listeners. So we'll have some cool coupon for them. Well, if you're interested in anime and Japanese culture and all this kind of stuff, even hentai and stuff, go there and buy everything on the shop. You know, I think I recommend buying those Opai mouse pads. If you listen to the podcast and if you're a big fan of me, go buy those Opai mouse pads, the three hundred dollar ones, because they're awesome. Think of the Opai. I want to give thanks to Jake as well, because without him, I don't think this episode would exist. So thank you very much. to. Thank you, Jake. Finally, I also wanted to thank uh, Kevin and Joe. They're my guys, especially Kevin, because I always have this joke with Kevin because he's Canadian. Right. And I've never understood why he was like, no, don't send me anything like that. And I was I always joke around yeah, with yeah, him. Basically. And that, today you made me understand why I shouldn't be sending him hentai or sending him mouse pads or anything like that because i always joke around with it i said i'm gonna get you that it's it's sad hopefully canada will will see the air of its ways Pe- people ask me hey would you come to a canadian anime convention i'm like what am i gonna sell i have to leave it all behind or or I don't have to but i i wouldn't be comfortable bringing a trailer full of hentai into canada you know i'm not gonna do that have you ever been to a uk convention have not but i would like to go sometime um i'm sure at some sometime in the future we'll come just as, as guests to do panels or something like that. It would certainly be a lot of fun. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Thank you once again for everyone who has worked hard to make this episode possible. And hope you guys enjoyed this. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>